I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm Randy Robinson here, and I, you know, this morning I had a long coffee meeting uh, with uh, one of our guests from last Thursday, Don Wickstrom. Uh, if you missed that show, really, really great guy. Uh, and so enjoyed getting to know him. He's in town for a few days. He said something that I thought was very interesting, and then I thought, I think I, I think I do that, but maybe not as consciously as I, I would like to. And he said, whenever anyone asks him a question related to his faith or doctrine or anything like that he runs it through his filter of 13 things that he knows about the character of god before he even kind of really answers or takes a position i thought that's that's good it's good to get back to the basics it's good to look at the core issues well that tied in nicely with the conversation we're going to have today because uh there is a new book out it is called essential christianity um I think the title Mere Christianity was already taken. So he went with Essential Christianity. And the yeah, author of that is J.D. Greer. <laughs> yeah, he's J.D. Greer. Uh, and he is with me. J.D. Greer, if you don't know, he's a pastor of the Summit Church up in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. Served as the president of the Southern Baptist Convention for several years. Uh, and he has a, a daily or half hour radio broadcast called, what is that called? Summit Life. So you can always check that out. We'll talk a bit about that. But. The idea of getting to these core issues, well, what are they? If you don't know them, uh, you can get off maybe some, into some weird doctor, maybe get pulled by some thoughts or some emotions that you might have. So we're going to take you back. If you're a new Christian, great place to start. If you've been a longtime Christian, great reminder, maybe build yourself that filter of how should I view things. Well, you view them for the, through the core tenets of Christianity. J.D., great to have you on Life Today Live. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing all right. Well, it wasn't until you told that intimidating story about one of your previous guests thinking through 13 different things in the space of like two seconds before he gives an answer. I, I'm not that smart. I, I can think of like a half of a thing in that space. So. Well, you know what? But and, and I hear you, but and I know you're being a little bit facetious, but the reality is, is if, if they're core issues, you almost don't even have to think about them as much. It becomes automatic. And I think that's true with what you're talking about in your book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's. I, I like the way you set it up because, um, yeah. All jokes aside, mere Christianity. There was that, and a book called Basic Christianity, both of which had the most profound impact on me when I was essentially a college student, fairly new Christian. Um, you know, mere Christianity written by C.S. Lewis, of course. Basic Christianity was John Stott, and both of them were written. I mean, they have plenty of intellectual firepower and rigor in them, but both of them are written to say. Hey, if you don't come from a Christian background, what are the ways that that this resonates with the questions that you've been asking? Um, I found strangely enough, because I, I just spent about a year preaching through the book of Romans, that that's basically what Paul had done is he said, let me crawl on the side of the Roman mind and let me just say, what questions are you asking? And let me show you how the gospel completes those answers. Um, we're in 21st century America. And I know that, that our world is different than first century Rome. But there are some core things that the human mind, um, whether you've been in church or not, just ask about God and about reality. And that's how Paul organizes the book of Romans. And so my thought was, what if I what if I were to rewrite? And I say that with a little bit of a, you know, 
uh, tongue in cheek. What if I were to rewrite Romans um, as if it were in 21st century America today? What would it What would it sound like? Following Paul's line of logic. And um, anyway, so that's essential Christianity, and I hope it's helpful for both those purposes you I, mentioned. I know it, it's great because. You know, I like Romans. When when someone is a new Christian, they are they're always like, you know, I want to read the Bible, and I'm like, where are you going to start? They're like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I'm like, pause right there because you're yeah, smiling. right, right. <laughs> because it it and I'm all for that. I think if we don't understand the Old Testament, we we can't fully understand the New Testament. But to start out, I'm like, why don't you start with the Gospel of John? Yep. And then read the Book of Romans, and yeah. I like Romans. In in the same way, I like Luke, but even more so, and that Romans is for the non-Jew in a sense, right? In other words, there's a lot of Judaism, a lot of Jewish culture in so many of the other books that some things aren't necessarily stated because they're understood in the people who were communicating, especially in Paul's letters. Uh, and but like Luke, written by a Gentile, right? So you get this extra explanation that I need. <laughs> it's like, need right. I need a little more here because I don't get the context. So what do you yeah. what are you thinking? Oh. I, I I think it's totally appropriate to go. I'm going to restate these biblical truths in 21st century American terms to relate mm-hmm. to the audience. Uh, so how how do you approach that while staying true to the scripture and to the the tenets was I mean I'm guessing it probably wasn't too difficult for you was it? Yeah, well, no, I mean, and again, I had a year to work through it. Actually, preaching messages to the church. Yeah. I have a church that's filled with a lot of you know Gen Zers and millennials, and yeah, yeah, yeah. they're asking all these same questions. And um, you know, it's like you start, and that's what I love about the Book of Romans. Paul starts with what you know, what is it that makes the gospel distinctive from every other religious message in the world? Mm-hmm. That's where he starts. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to. Um, uh, so that's kind of my first chapter. Um, then there he goes to, well how, well, how do we even know there is a God? And what um, what it, what can we know about him? What can we all kind of agree on? And I just talk about just conversations I've had over my lifetime with people ranging from, you know, the Waffle House to the White House, um, just where people are asking similar questions about God. If there really is a God, why doesn't everybody believe the same things about him? That's one of the questions Paul deals with. Um, you know, then Paul goes into like, well, or, well, won't religion fix us? Isn't God like a mountain? And whatever way you choose to get up the top is they're basically saying the same thing. You know, love God, love people, be honest, be kind. Um, Paul, you know, spends a whole chapter, Romans chapter two, explaining why religion, all religion, leaves you empty and it leaves you more broken than when you started. Mm-hmm. And he gets into the distinctiveness of the gospel. He like, he like presses in a lot deeper there. Then he anticipates your question of like, why is the Christian life so hard? Hmm. Um, you know, why is it that if this is the message of salvation, shouldn't it just come naturally? And a lot of Christians after a year, they get really discouraged at, at how much they're still struggling. And so, you know, going on like that till you get to, you know, the 10th or 11th chapter of Romans, where Paul makes a, a shift into talking to the church. Um, those are the questions that I think still resonate in people's hearts today. And it's interesting because um, I tell a story in the book, Randy, about um, a, a non-Christian friend who was, um, she is a, a professor at one of our local universities. Uh, she's a writer for, you know, like uh, one of the national newspapers that um, you, you you would recognize the name of, uh, but she's, she became a Christian during the course of all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it's kind of like, I, I'm, I'm being able to dialogue with her as I'm writing this book and we are, I'm writing about the very things that we're talking about. And it's just, it, 
it, it reminds you that the gospel, I love those little things you opened up your show with, uh, the audio sound bites, because the gospel that Billy Graham and these guys preached is every bit as potent and as powerful as it ever was. We just have to, we have to put it out there. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And it, it relates to everyone at some point. Uh, but there is, I think the community, it's interesting that, you know, I, I've said this a lot recently, so forgive me if you're watching all of these, but the idea that we're God's hands and feet, you don't go anywhere without feet and you don't touch anybody without hands. Uh, and then to, to, echo Andrew Murray when he talks about the the vine and the branch we're to stay rooted in the branch but it's the vine that bears the fruit so when you're talking about these truths yes God could just reveal himself to to people and there are cases where he does but I think he wants us to be able to relate them to other people in terms that they understand but they're the same basic truths you know we're not deviating from the vine uh, and becoming our own branch. We're just bearing the fruit of being in that vine. Um, I, 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 I'd love to get through all these. We're not going to be able to. You can just pick up the book if, if you'd like to. Um, but is there any of these maybe that really resonated, especially with younger, maybe newer Christians that kind of struck you, maybe even surprised you? Man, when I preached on that, I didn't anticipate that much of a you know a great response or generate that many questions. I don't know. anything jump out to you in that way as you walk through this. Yeah, a great question. Um, there's two that come to mind. I've, if I thought about it, I'd probably come up with more. But the first one um, is just this question of of how dare a Christian say that there's only one way of salvation? Oh wow, exclusivity. Yeah. Um, yeah, just in a globalized world, I mean, have we learned to be humble enough that we can just say that they're, you know, everybody's way to God is is right? Really, um, as you get into what what Paul explains this, that really there's a lot of arrogance in even asking that question. He kind of flips the script on you and says, you know, why would you think that you could just come up with a way that you want to come to God? Um, why is and he basically explains that Christianity, the gospel, is the most inclusive exclusivity that there's ever been. He, he, you know, all truth claims are exclusive at one level. You know, even if you say all good people go to heaven and everybody's good religion is is fine, well, who who did you just exclude? You excluded bad people, and I guess you get to define what's bad. And I'm guessing that you know, abusers and racists don't make your list of what's good and acceptable. So you have an exclusive list. Um, you just get to be the one that defines it. And what what Paul is explaining is, is yes, there is a, a, a truth claim that God has provided one way of salvation, but it's not a mark of arrogance for you to believe that. It's a mark of humility. And he explains why the gospel leads to humility. So that's the first one that really, I think has really resonated with a lot of our, our people is to say, um, hey, we're not going to be ashamed about just saying what Jesus says, and I'm not going to back away from that. Did, um, did you get any negative response to people that would walk out on you? Because I would anticipate I mean, yeah, just as happened with Jesus, people walked away. Yeah. You know? Right, and, and I tell a story in the book about sharing Christ with somebody who was just, I mean, they were in, I mean, they were so like hanging on every word until I said, you know, hey, you need Jesus because he is your way of salvation. And they're like, yeah, it didn't work for me. And I'm like, well, you know, it's not whether it works for you, it's <laughs> truth. 
Right. And she said, this is, you're so arrogant. And I, what I told her, um, I tell the story in the book, but um, we're, our plane was right about to land. And I was like, you know, I'm really glad that the pilot of this airplane doesn't look at the runway the same way you, you do truth. She said, what do you mean? I was like, well, say he comes on and says, I'm open-minded and I'm just going to choose to land nose tip first, you know, in the middle of the interstate. That's my way, my truth. Um, it, you know, it's like he's got to follow that little narrow strip that the airport, you know, the, the control tower lays out for him. Um, why would God be any different? If God is providing a way of salvation, he is, he is saying, look, this is how you do it. And humility is receiving it. Um, so anyway, that was one. The other one is a little... Um, I debated whether or not to put this in there, but I thought since Paul brought it up, we should talk about it, uh, where Paul talks about how the different ways that we, the creation, rebel against the creator. One of those ways is in um, in how we approach romance, gender, sexuality. Mm, uh-oh. And that, yeah, I know. Um, but here we are 20, you know, 2,000 years later, and some of the different things have changed, but that that actually remains the same. Yeah. That and and it used to be, you know, Christians sort of had a don't ask, don't tell policy on this subject. Mm. Like, I won't bring it up if you don't. But now I'll just say that at least where I live in North Carolina, with all these college students around, all of them come into our church with this discussion or this uh, uh, assumption about what we believe about gay people, the LGBT community. Mm -hmm. And usually what they assume is, at least in part, it's, it's pretty wrong. And so I just thought it's not health to do uh, to do a don't ask, don't tell. Let me just explain what the Bible says and what the posture of Jesus is toward communities like this one. And what you find is that like every like with every other community, his posture is one of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. He is telling the truth, yes, but it, but he leads with grace. And what amazed people was about Jesus was his love and his inclusion. Um, not just uh, the truth that he told about their sin. He he told the truth about their sin, and then he died for them and drew them close. That can be obviously a landmine in today's culture, uh, and the church is getting, I think, better at, at talking about that. I don't know what do you what, you've planted a lot of churches. Do you do a lot of pastors doing a decent job of explaining the truth and the grace, not half and half, fully both, uh, yeah, so that people at least get it they they feel the invitation but yet they understand the 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 terms i think you said it right randy more are are growing toward this Uh, i'm certainly not the model i don't mean to imply that at all um but i do think that that specifically the evangelical church is maturing on this um like you said it's fully grace fully truth truth without grace is fundamentalism and there are certainly a lot of churches that are in that category. Mm-hmm. Grace without truth is sentimentality. It's vapid. It's essentially liberalism. Mm-hmm. So if you've got two ditches, fundamentalism, truth without grace, liberalism, grace without truth, well, what Jesus's brilliance was is he was more truthful than the fundamentalist, and he was more gracious than the liberal. <laughs> I like that. And he had both of them together. Yeah. Well, as me, Irish grandfather used to say, for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch. So, you're right. Yeah, we gotta we gotta stay yeah. on the road. Accent accent was on point too. Well, thank you. I've I've, I've been working that. I've fooled a few Irish in Ireland with that one, but let's not brag. Okay, uh, here's here's a question I think that um, would baffle <laughs> it baffles me, and I've been in the church my whole life, uh, and it's got to baffle some outsiders looking in, uh, and you know it, it it expresses itself in denominations. Uh, 
and and the idea is that a lot of good people, Jesus-loving people, can read the Bible and come away with some pretty different ideas about things, like some of them quite significant. Um, how do you... Do you, how do you deal with the idea of the denominationalism, the different views? If there's one truth, then shouldn't we all be on the same page? Why, the division in the church seems to be a little bit of a problem sometimes. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And that is a, a very serious problem, I think, particularly in our American society. Um, yeah, I think the thing to, to remember here, and I'll just throw out a couple things that are not a comprehensive answer, but number one is you don't want to overstate that case that you just made too much because Christians are remarkably agreed globally and historically yeah. on the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it, sometimes we can get so focused on the places of disagreement that we overlook what God has actually given us, you know, in that. Secondly is just because groups tend to gravitate toward each other and, um, and tend to, you know, say, hey, at we want our churches that we're going to plant to agree on this. That doesn't mean that there's not a unity between me and another network of churches who I may not, you know, I may not fit as naturally with. I mean, Randy, I don't even know what what kind of church you go to, but uh, I go to a Southern Baptist church. So that means, you know, if you're not a Southern Baptist, there's probably a few things, but I feel very unified with you. I feel in the sense of like, man, what we are united on is, is more than what we're against. Sure. Uh, I think God allowed, you know, a little, uh, a little bit of that, you know, kind of, I don't want to say gray area because the scriptures aren't unclear about these things. You and I just, we tend to mess it up because of our, our biases and our, our dullness of, of thinking. But I, you know, I think that, that even in that there's a unified church that Jesus prayed for in John 17. Mm -hmm. I do think that the divisiveness, um, making major things out of minor things, mm -hmm. I think that's, that is sinful. And I think it's tarnishing of our witness. Um, but I don't think just the fact that we're in different kinds of churches means that there has to be that divisiveness. There can be a spirit of unity, even as you, you work forward to a spirit of truth and making the big thing is making the major things, making them clear and being clearly united on those. Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking about the major things you can uh, go through JD's list and it's a great list by the way, because he's echoing Paul and Romans in this book, essential Christianity available where you get books. Now the heart of the gospel in 10 words uh and it's more than 10 words but yeah. those are the summers and actually if you could just memorize those 10 words because when we started this i noticed i was looking at the chapters and you, you you were banging down pretty pretty quickly but that goes back to what i opened with this idea okay if i can filter everything through this list of core truths i'm going to be a lot better off and i'm not going to be as rattled by someone who may disagree on a secondary issue uh and i won't be tended you know pulled away by maybe some popular psychobabble or even something that sounds pretty good and may even sound like Christianity, but you go, wait a minute, that conflicts with this core yep. issue. So right. yeah, it's a, it's a great list. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about, um, and by the way, fully in agreement with you on the denominationalism. I've been in and out of several uh, in my lifetime and around all sorts. And sure. you're right. I, I don't feel, I, I don't feel that except around those who I think of as, it's sort of the Pharisees, and those are the ones that come at you. And literally, have people that say, "Well, if you don't see it that way, you don't believe the Bible. Or if you don't see it that way, then you're not a real Christian. You're following a right. different Jesus." Like, no, just because, no. Anyway, strain it a gnat and swallow a camel is how Jesus would describe them. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, last question I have for you, and this is a this is a, a big one, uh, and I think where your book, your message, 
can really help bring a lot of healing. And that is for someone who maybe grew up in a church, uh, got maybe hurt by a church, or got off into some error, uh, got into some doctrine that maybe did some collateral damage. Uh, I mean, I, I could give examples, but my point is that someone who has left the church for some reason, these core issues, I think, is what will bring them back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, sometimes you have to, there's a movement called deconstruction uh-huh. in our society. And it basically is realizing that a lot of what you learned was, um, get, you know, taught to you under false pretenses for the purpose of, you know, accruing power. I mean, it's, it's there's a lot of complexity in that discussion. But what what you find is that there's some truth in that movement, that, that it is true that a lot of people have wielded the Bible improperly and they've used it as a tool of oppression, not as a the, you know, the instrument of liberation. Um, what you'll find is that the gospel is the answer for those things. And maybe there's somebody listening right now that that's you. You've been burned by the church. This is very, I think, personal to me because I have friends in this category. I have family members in this category. Hmm. You've been burned by the church, and and it's almost like somebody stole Jesus's clothes, wore them, and then committed a crime against you in, in his name. And if somebody did that to you, you'd want to go to them and say, hey, they had my ident- they stole my identity. They look like me, but it wasn't me. Mm. And that's what, you know, I think essential Christianity It's what I want to do is say, this is the gospel that Paul was willing to die for. This is the gospel that has, has built the church. This is the gospel that has reformed the church. And the things that you're bothered about in the church, Jesus is bothered about those too. And his corrective for those is the power of the gospel and, and the spirit of God that comes through um, the gospel when you understand it and you, you, you delve within it. Yeah, what's the response been from your church as you walk through this? Uh, it's been we had our uh, when I did we had our, our most fruitful year. We had over a thousand people that profess faith in Christ. Oh wow! Uh, course of the year, and um, that's uh yeah. I just I, I praise God um, the power of the gospel. I just right before we started this interview, I was talking with a guy who got saved in that series. A very wealthy individual who had you know had everything the world told him to, to get. And uh, still was broken and empty. And through the 12th chapter of Romans, a message on the 12th chapter of Romans, God opened his heart and saved him. And now he's just on fire for Jesus. He's more alive, he says, than he's ever been. Finally, he's got purpose. He's got something that his Lamborghinis and his collection of houses weren't able to give him. Hmm. And that that kind of hope and that kind of power is available to anybody who will believe. It is. And you know, the beauty of what you're doing is, is there's a simplicity to it. Hmm. You know, you're just getting to the core. And that changes people. You don't have to close the deal. The Holy Spirit will do that. That's right. Uh, Just stick with the the basics. All right. Last word for you. And I appreciate your time and your insight. This is good. Yeah. No, you've asked all the right questions. I can tell you got the heart of, uh, and your listeners, um, the heart of just somebody who wants other people to know Jesus. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about is my life was transformed when I was 16 years old by uh, something I wasn't looking for. Mm -hmm. And as Jesus found me. And so now it's like, man, you know, if we could take that and just give it to the world. You, you mentioned this, and I'll say this real quick. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, t- take some of those minor issues, and he says, hey, if, if you're having trouble with this, let's punt that for now. Mm-hmm. Because the center of Christianity is not a certain version of sexual ethics, even though those are important. The center is not that. The center is the cross and resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So strip away everything else and go back to that. 
And once you get there, once you get that settled, it'll help you make sense out of a lot more of the other stuff. Love and I hope, I hope essential Christianity helps people do that. Love it. Love it. JD, I appreciate your time and your insight. Thank you. Uh, My pleasure. Those of you guys watching, uh, do check out his website. It looks like this, jdgreer.com. JD, there's how you spell Greer with two E's, jdgreer.com. Uh, That's right. Two E's and one A. Two E's and one A. What is that? What, what is, where does that come from? I, I, somebody from Ancestry.com worked for our church, yeah. and they told me they told me that whenever some somebody does that, and it happened in, for my family in the 19th century, somebody's trying to evade the law. So one of my one of my one of my ancestors was a tax evader. It looks like. Oh well, uh, better than me because one of mine was a murderer and changed his last oh. name because of that. Um, true story. <laughs> All right. But unsavory past. Jesus <laughs> uh, redeemed. Yeah, Amen. redeemed at the cross. So we got to take all the, t- we have to take it to the same cross. And so there's, you know, all right, enough of that. Again, I appreciate you. Uh, I don't know how I got off track at the end, but we'll get back to essential Christianity. Check out the book, check out the website, come back. We've got more for you here on Life Today Live. I'll see you again next time. Thank you, friend. Thank you. All right. Hey, thanks, Randy. Only book he ever wrote. You need to know the word of God. You need to know what God's book says. It's God's word, brother. It's food. It's finished. It's God's book.